Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Tuesday, January 23rd, 2018, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, your first daily dose of happy for the day and uh we're off to a warmer start now cindy because the weather's finally warmed up i guess the january thaw is finally here we're very glad of that how, how are things there in louisiana is it uh, a little bit warmer there as well finally it's warmer and yesterday i think or the day before yeah it was sunday i looked at the weather and it was in the it was close to 70 and then as i looked across the week it showed that by the end of this week it was back in the 20s and I was like oh no but <laughs> that's changed and now I'm not seeing anything like that today it's supposed to get up to 60 so that's one, uh, that's much more to my liking than down in the teens and 20s I uh, understand yeah and and that's the one thing you can always count on with the weather because since it's such an inexact science if you don't like what next week's weather is just give it a few days and it'll change <laughs> Right? I, and we always say here, I mean, we really do have like six months of what most people would call summer. Um, and that's to my liking. So that's a good thing. But when mm-hmm. I talk to clients that I have, like that are in Canada that have, that tell me, one client told me it was 45 below and I knew it was Celsius. So I thought, well, maybe that's not too bad. So I looked it up in the calculator and it was actually 49 below Fahrenheit. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Okay. Yeah. No, I just couldn't, I don't, See myself being able to do that so there's a reason why i'm not up there did you see the <laughs> uh, i'm happy to have it warmer yes indeed did you see the thing on facebook about um it was a photo of i think it was a woman i couldn't really tell for sure but i think it was a woman in russia i believe in the siberia area and it was a picture of her outside in minus 88 degrees and her eyelashes were frozen okay now I, I actually, when you said, did you see the picture on Facebook, I thought to myself, well, there's a bazillion pictures. But, yes, I saw the picture. I, I saw a headline. It did not read anything else about it. And my first thought was, and my, it's my question to you, is like, really, seriously, was that real? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If it wasn't real, it was a great makeup job. I'll say that. <laughs> it was, yeah, true, because that was amazing. Oh, 88 below? And, and what I want yeah. to know is how long was that person outside? <laughs> because that's crazy. <laughs> you don't want to be outside yeah. in that kind of weather very long. I mean, literally, you can freeze to death in five minutes when it gets that cold. So you definitely don't want to be out there. And yet that person went out long enough to freeze their eyelashes. <laughs> it seems like being, I mean, the, the I have had nothing close to an experience of being in weather that cold. I mean, I'm not even sure I've been in weather below zero. So, um, but it's almost painful to come into the warmth after oh, yeah. being in that cold. Oh, it can. So I can't even imagine what that the effect that would have on your body. Um, it seems really dangerous. Yeah, it is dangerous. I mean, I, I've been out in minus forty, which is plenty cold. Let me oh. tell you. Yeah, it's you feel that, and it doesn't matter how warm you are, you feel it. You do feel you, you dress warmly. I mean. Don't don't try to do it at home without having like multiple layers and a very very warm coat and scarves and hats and maybe multiple hats and like three or four layers of pants and all that kind of thing because it really is bitterly cold but it is tolerable and when you get out there it's kind of a weird experience because among other things like when you walk on the snow you know how snow can well you may not actually know because you don't get much snow in Louisiana but <laughs> but if you're walking in the snow you get that crunchy sound sometimes well when it's right. really really cold out that crunchy sound 
is like magnified 10 times over. It gets really loud, which is interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, not quite what you'd expect. Well, we had a conversation this weekend and, and reminded that like when, when people from this part of the country are traveling to like even where you are or, or further north into Canada, that people will remind them, yeah, don't bring your, like, your warm clothes, they're not going to work. That's true, yeah. <laughs> that warm coat, you think, yeah, it's not going to work up here. <laughs> or at the very least, bring, like, bring like three of them and wear them all. That's the, I mean, that's the trick. It, that's really the trick yeah. to surviving cold weather is layering. The more layers you have, the better off. Yeah. Yeah. So, so but, thankful that it's warmer. Yay. <laughs> well, with that cold thought in mind, <laughs> we should probably move on to something warm. And, uh, well, actually, we got kind of a cold thought because we received a contact on the website from a listener who was a little bit uh, disgruntled about the law of attraction. And we thought that would make an interesting topic because our topic is, is the law of attraction useless when things go wrong? And uh, the, the person's name was, I think it's B.I. I, I had to look it up. I believe it's a Korean name, B.I., B.I.I., and B.I. wrote, the law of attraction works best for people who are already in nice lives. It's easy to talk about the mystical bounties of the universe when you're doing well. But as soon as things go badly, the LOA is DOA. And I did actually translate that a little bit because the original version was a bit more colorful. But <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the question is still a valid question because, you know, why is it that when we're, we're trying to track stuff, and we think we're on a good thing, all of a sudden, you know, the universe feels like it's dumping on you. And isn't that proof that the law of attraction really doesn't work when, when the going gets rough? So what do you think, Cindy? Well, first, I think it's important to, you know, acknowledge and validate that most of us, I, I, I would say all of us, um, but I'll say most of us, have been in that situation where things just, really seemed to not be going right. And I want to, you know, reach out and acknowledge and validate anybody that's there that, yeah, I mean, we do go through times in this life that don't feel good. And sometimes it seems like, look, if, if I had a nickel for all the times that I thought or that someone called me for coaching services that said, this stuff doesn't work, um, and another story I hear all the time is, you know, things were going along just great and I was just manifesting things left and right and it was great and then, then it stopped working and it's not working. Mm. It doesn't work. Right. Um, so, sure, we, we have those experiences where it seems like this isn't working. And the thing we have to remember is that it's always working. <laughs> and it's that you read it in the statement um, – the word I'm trying to remember the word was it things go wrong or things as soon go as bad? things as, thing, as soon as things go badly the LOA is DOA go badly and so part of that is that we are again um, judging things as either good or bad and I realize that we live in a world that we we've done that since day one we compare everything we judge everything but part of non-resistance and part of learning how to deliberately create things is to be able to let go of the judgment. And I I read something yesterday, I'm trying to remember where, um, that's 
a thought that I definitely agree with, and we've talked about it before, Walt, and that's that I believe we came here to experience everything, um, the full spectrum of human experience, and that covers a lot of different emotions and feelings and experiences, not just ones that go into the, um, I think the, the questioner said, when everything is, when you have a nice life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we've come here to experience everything and we can stop or at least make an attempt to stop judging things that don't feel good as bad um, and, and proof that it doesn't work, then that, that'll help a little to shift the perspective. Um, I believe law of attraction is just always working. And it's what we want to get better at is deliberately creating, mm-hmm. not to be conscious about what we're creating, which is what happens generally when we come into this knowledge of the way things work and we start deciding, oh, okay, really, am I creating all of this? Well, if I can create these things. But I also think it's important that we talk about um, things that happen just because I don't ever say that it's someone's fault or put blame on someone for something going really wrong in their life or feeling bad to them. Because we live in a world with all these experiences. Life has an ebb and flow to it, and sometimes things feel better than than other times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. How do you feel about about that question? Well, what comes up for you? Well, a few things. Um, First, it's... It's certainly easy to understand why it is that someone might come to the conclusion that this listener did. Uh, because when, you know, when most of us talk about the law of attraction, we're talking about trying to attract the good stuff. So, you know, we're, we're, we're skipping over the bad stuff that happens. But one of the harsh realities of, of life, and I say harsh because, like you say, we tend to think of things as good or bad. And what we're really meaning is we prefer this, we don't prefer that. But no, we still, we think about it as good or bad. Um, one of the harsh realities is that when we think about stuff that has, we'll call it a bad vibration, guess what? Bad stuff's going to happen. I, we, we don't really want to face up very often to the fact that much of what goes through our minds is pretty negative stuff. Um, I mean, we mentioned it occasionally here on the show where we talk about how the news can be really negative and we're taking all that into our minds and entertainment can be negative and, and politics is certainly very negative. And, and like you look at field after field after field, there's so much focus on negativity. Well, all that's coming into our minds. And, and when we're thinking about it, guess what? We're putting out signals about that stuff just by thinking about it, just by, by focusing on it. Now, if we're only doing it rather you know, as an observer, that kind of thing, then the amount of vibration we're creating is going to be less, but it's still vibration. It's still there. So we have to, at some point, take a little responsibility for the fact that, okay, look what we're focusing on. You know, we focus on this stuff. How can we expect bad stuff not to come out out as a result of it? Because that's what the law of attraction teaches us. What we focus on, what vibration we create produces a vibration that comes back to us in the form of various kinds of stuff of similar vibration. Well, if you're going to focus on bad stuff, you're going to get bad stuff back. There's just no way to avoid that. Well, and the whole idea of what we focus on expands. And I think 
also the the judgment piece, right? It's mm-hmm. like it's not only the focus, but it's like the idea that oh, this is not good, this is bad, this is bad. I don't want this. We go right back to that attachment. Um, I remember somebody asking in a class one time. They say, you know, I I try to deliberately create this and that, and it's like little stuff that I don't really care about, and boom, it's just easy peasy. And then this happened, and this is really important to me, and it and it's just not working. Right? It's like so. So their their idea was that okay. So I guess this just means is that the only time it's easy to create anything is when it's just stuff I don't care about, or when it's not important. And it's like no, it's not that it's not that it's unimportant or or that it's you know things you don't care about, but it's things that you're not attached to the outcome of. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so what helps me sometimes is to recognize that. When I get attached to an outcome, I'm limiting what I'm able to allow in. And I may be not even seeing something that would be so much better. Yes. And so there, there's where the ability to not judge is really important. And so, you know, I've, I've heard story after story of people that, for instance, something really bad, I'm I'm making air quotes for the bad, right, because it felt really bad. It's like think about times when people lose their job Mm -hmm. or get in a car accident or, you know, something happens that definitely would not have been on on their wish list. I mean, it's just, boy, this was terrible. Maybe they, you know, are in a relationship and their partner tells them they don't want to be in a relationship anymore or, you know, whatever, something that we didn't see coming, it doesn't feel good. And then, you know, a month later, two months later, maybe six months later, whatever, down the road we hear the story of some amazing thing that never would have happened if it weren't for that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I true. know so many people that say, I brought this up the other day and it was a people around a table and everybody was like talking over each other because they all had an example. They were like, oh yeah, yeah. And it was, it was all one topic. It was the time that, that they got fired or laid off from a job. Yeah. And yeah. they all said, oh my gosh, the job I have now is so much better and it never would have happened if I wouldn't have gone through that one experience. So Life has to go on, <laughs> and that's the important thing when we're feeling like things aren't working, is that it's not the end. It's it's still going on. It's an ongoing story that we're creating here. Yeah, what tests us makes us stronger. I think that's the basic concept there. And uh, it, what you also said there reminded me of the the cliche that came out of the movie, The, the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel in which uh, the lead protagonist says, everything will be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, then it's not yet the end. It's not the end. Right. <laughs> I didn't know where that saying came from. Yeah, that's where it comes um, from. Yeah. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I, I'm pretty sure it's actually been around in Indian culture for many years, but that's where it became popularized, let's say. So that's that's true that we have to continue to look out. And sometimes, we, we talked about this the other day, asking for help. If you're in a place where it seems impossible and where your vibration is very low and you recognize that it's low, down in those lower energy levels, feeling despondent, feeling depressed, feeling blue, feeling hopeless, feeling, 
you know, the feelings that most of the time that we don't want to have, those feelings that come when things don't seem to be working right, um, it's important that we reach out for some support, mm-hmm. that we do things that are supportive for ourselves, like listen to uh, LOA Today, mm-hmm. like read mm-hmm. materials that are inspiring right. and uplifting, like reach out to a friend or or a person or a teacher or a helper or a coach or someone that can give us some support. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm also reminded of, like, the the infomercials and, and uh, you know, special reports and news reports and so forth that you see about various areas you know, around the country or around the world where there's, you know, incredibly grinding poverty and, you know, complete lack and all that kind of thing. And what usually happens with those places is you'll get uh, the the reports, you'll get the dramatization, you'll also get the the social scientists going and they're doing their studies and they'll measure how much poverty there is and they'll they'll measure you know all different ways the the depths of how bad things are. But what you never see are studies that show what happens when people think and focus in those situations and, and you know, depending on what they're thinking and focusing on, what the results are. You never see studies like that. I'm not even sure how you'd conduct a study like that, to be perfectly honest. But I'd be fascinated by it because I've read many pieces that were not mainstream pieces. They were definitely out of the mainstream. But pieces where people would go in and, and they would study a particular culture in a particular region that had a great deal of poverty. And they would find that the that a lot of the people, not all, but a lot of the people who lived there were actually living happy lives. Yes. There's actually, I'm actually looking it up because I couldn't, I'm trying to remember the name. Was it called the Happiness Project? Do you know about this? That sounds familiar. That may have been one of them, yeah. But there are a lot of these. Uh, I think, I think it's a, oh, I thought it was a movie. Um, and I have that, and I'm glad that I actually, that we're having this conversation, and I thought of it because it was a movie somebody recommended to me, and I didn't watch it, and I I want to. <laughs> there you um, go. And I thought that was the name of it, but I'm looking and I'm not seeing it, so I'll have to keep. That may have been a variation, that. but yeah, I I know there have been a lot of things like that. I've seen special news reports. I've seen. I, I'm pretty sure you're right. There was a movie. I know there are books and articles that have been written on the subject, um, but but the main thing is is just the the premise of it, which is. Just because somebody lives in what others would consider to be really bad situations doesn't mean that they feel badly. And I think it would be really interesting if we had somebody who actually did a long-term, a longitudinal study that followed the lives of people who lived in a place like that and maybe take, took some measurements about, you know, how positive or negative they were in their attitude and their outlook and you know, what they tend to think about and then see how their lives turned out. Because we've known from other longitudinal studies that when people, no matter what their situation, start out and continue to stay in a positive space, they inevitably end up with a better life than what they started with. And the thing is, is that there, we're going back to that making judgments again. Right. Um, right. And, and do we want to live in extreme poverty, poverty or famine or drought? Uh, no, of course not. No. And yet you're absolutely right that studies show that that's not an indicator of of the level of happiness. That's right. We, we mm-hmm. all we all want to be healthy and taken care of and well sheltered and 
you know, of course. But when we look at someone that lives in a situation that's completely unfamiliar to us and just decide that they must not be happy, um, you know, happiness doesn't depend on those things. It's really the same mistake. Thankfully. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> thankfully. And it's really the same mistake as what people make when they see somebody who's wealthy and assume that they must be happy. Right, or they see someone who is um, in a relationship and think they must be happy or, a or the other way. They're, yeah. they're in a bad relationship, so they see someone that's single and they think that must be so much better. Right. We just don't know. And, and happiness, we do know that uh, happiness is found inside. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's not an external. It doesn't come from the externals. So, you know, going back to that, as soon as you know life when life is nice it's easy to to see the mystical abundance of the universe but as soon as you know as soon as things start happening that feel bad then then LOA is DOA um no it may just be that those are things that like i said i realize it's a radical perspective but i believe that we came here to experience everything and something that i've said to clients before who are going through something uh, and feel stuck in a place where this same thing keeps happening, something they don't want. I often said to them, um, I want to just put the idea out there that possibly part of you is really digging this. <laughs> part of you actually really does. I'm want a masochist. To do it. <laughs> and so it's understanding that, that, you know, not to be so quick to judge, like we talked about good luck, bad luck, right? Not to yeah, be right. so quick to judge. <laughs> so, well, it's, um, I want to remind you of the time and make yes. sure that you uh, talk about our subscription. Right, because one of the reasons we do this program, of course, is because we enjoy it and because our listeners enjoy it and because it's, it's good to hear positive messages for a change instead of negative messages. I mean, we, we were talking a few minutes ago about how there's so much negativity in the media and in politics and news and so on and so forth. Well, you need something to kind of counteract that and actually give you some fuel to get through your day and, and find, you know, you need to have those thoughts to, to pull upon so that you can redirect and focus on what you want to not only attract into your life, but also how you want to feel about what's in your life. Well, that's what a show like LOA Today is for. So we want you to do a couple of things. First, we want you to subscribe if you have not yet already subscribed, and uh, it's pretty easy to do that. You can do it through um uh, directly going to the website, LOAToday.net, and just click on the subscribe button. That works particularly well if you have an iPhone. Uh, also on an iPhone, you can go to the iTunes store and you can subscribe there as well just by doing a search on LOA Today and looking under podcasts. And you can also do it through the podcast software that's built into your iPhone. On an Android phone, such as an, a Samsung or a Motorola or a uh, uh, Nokia or one of the other you know top brands of Android phones, you have to actually install some podcast software first. I don't think it comes by default with most of them. But you can do that easily enough through the Play Store. Just look for Podcast Manager. That's a nice free one that you can download. And then once you have that, then use the software that you downloaded to do a search, and you'll find LOA Today. So lots of ways to subscribe so you can keep up with all of the episodes that come through because we're doing 11 episodes a week, so there's a lot to listen to. 
Um, also, we want to remind you, share the message with your friends. Let them know because everybody needs to have that positive dose. And we're giving now two positive doses a day, Monday through Friday. So, you know, share with your friends that you're listening, that, that you're liking, that you're enjoying it. Do it through social media so that they can see it easily because we want more and more people to share in the bounty of what we're providing here with a bounty of information, the bounty of feels good, the bounty that, uh, you know, just helps you make the life that you want rather than the life that you're suffering because you don't know how to control your thoughts. Well, now you're learning how to control your thoughts. That's the good thing. Um, and then finally, just wanted to remind you, we are in the process of putting together a massive book project. 50 co-authors, we now have uh, 43 of them, 50 co-authors are going to write this book, and it's going to be all these wonderful LOA manifestation stories, so you'll have all kinds of um, inspirational stuff to draw upon um, when you're feeling a little bit low about your own ability to attract, and it'll be like a reminder, yeah, you can, do, you can have the deliberate creative ability too. So that's going to be coming out in February, and you'll learn more about it by being a listener. Just another reason to be a, a subscriber. So thank you, Cindy, for pointing out we need to get that message out. You're welcome. It's important. It is important. <laughs> it's very important. And, it, and it's one it's of the good. ways you can, you know, support yourself when you're, I mean, all the time, but especially if you're in that place where you're feeling like things aren't working. Um, I think that we've all been there and it's you know it's not a fun place to be i recognize that when it doesn't feel like you have control and i mean that really is at the heart of it mm. people begin to practice conscious creation deliberate creation using the law of attraction because we want to have some kind of control over what we experience in our life and when we have no control we talked about this last week um that's one of the things that causes Depression is when we feel like we don't have any control. That's right. Now, here's the, the twist is that the way we get control is by being willing to let go. Right? Yeah, that, by that's, being that's willing to, to be non, to not be attached. Yeah. To the outcome. And so that's the hard part is that when we become overly attached, um, in, in a yes or a no way, right? It's either I have to have it this way or, no, 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 don't let that happen, that bad thing. Um, either way, we're causing resistance. And when we cause resistance, we get stuck. And so being able to let go a little bit of of that control is actually how we can start to take control it's because we get a little bit easy about it and not so attached to the outcome, to the specific outcome. Yeah, that attachment's quite an issue, and it reminds me of uh, a post I saw on Facebook, I believe it was yesterday, actually, in which the person was posting about, you know, what can I do to drive this person out of my life that I don't want? How can I use the law of attraction to, to drive them out? And I don't think they even realized that what they were saying is they want to use attraction to repel, which doesn't work real well. <laughs> you can't you can't repel by attracting. It doesn't work. What you have to do is change your mindset, and and that can be a little bit tricky to do because you're so used to. We're so used to saying, "I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that," and hoping that if we do that, it's going to drive it away. But that's not attracting. That's repelling, and repelling is not how the law of attraction works. So we're trying to learn how to apply what does work, and that that's where it gets tricky. Right. And that's that's it too. Is that you know when we what we we go back to what we focus on expands. And so when we're in that place of attachment, 
even when it's attachment to not wanting something, how do we, you know, drive this person away or get rid of this experience? Um, the more we focus on it, the more it expands. And so it's really always about turning our focus to what we do want. Yes. And as far as people in our life, if we have people in our life that um, are, I don't know how to word it in a way that's very uh, correct here because there people are complicated, right? And there's all different kinds of people in our life. And, and so and getting rid of a person too. in our life might not always be the answer. But no. if you're in a situation where you're in a relationship that's abusive or you're in danger in some way, um, and I don't even mean just physically abusive, but even emotionally abusive or mentally abusive or someone is not treating you well, um, it might be a place for you to set the boundaries that say that's not okay and then start focusing on getting yourself into a place where you don't have to experience that kind of behavior. Um, so sometimes it's on us to take the responsibility to move in a different way, right, to mm-hmm. to put our – instead of driving a person away, for us to make the step to go in a different direction, to go away. Um, and that could be – looking for a different place of employment or, you know, wherever the situation is. Sometimes sometimes it's on us to take that that step and that responsibility. And sometimes it's on us to create new relationships and bring in new people into our life um, to have relationships with. So it's a that's a complicated situation there. It is. Um, but I don't know the background to that question or that conversation. But Well, we don't know the background to the question that the uh, person who posted on the website had, but I can tell you about a background that ties in very nicely to what you're saying because I had the experience myself just a year ago, a year ago January. Uh, I had a friend who I had been friends with for about 30 years, and we worked together on projects and, and so forth, and he's a good person in many, many ways. But there is one thing that he does that is really not very good at all, and I won't go into a whole lot of detail about it, but um, bottom line is that he has a tendency to kind of go off on somebody when he is experiencing frustration at his end. And again, I don't want to go into too much detail here because I'm not trying to to tear down a person. I'm I'm simply trying to make a point that the, the way it affected me was that um, over time, when, whenever you're exposed to somebody who has uh, a sort of a toxic side to them, a side to them that it, you know, just is, is not, not healthy for you, and you get exposed to it repeatedly, it tends to have a cumulative effect on your own psyche, which is what happened to me. So I had actually reached a point where I had to decide what to do because if I continued to be associated with this person, it was going to really badly affect my psyche. It was going to badly affect my my psychological makeup. It was. I mean, I could feel it happening. I, I I was in pain. I was in. I was suffering tremendously. The pain was getting so bad. It was affecting my wife. It was affecting her outlook. Um, I was dreading contact with this person. Um, it, it was just very very uncomfortable. I've never experienced that kind of psychic pain before. I have to say, it was it, it, was, mm. it was worse than than you know having broken up with a girlfriend. It was worse than anything I can ever imagine. Worse than than death death of a parent. It was really painful. It was surprising how painful it was. It was so painful that literally I would have trouble sleeping. It was like having a migraine without the migraine. <laughs> mm. 
So it, it was pretty bad. And I had to find a way to end a 30-year relationship. And I really didn't want to blame him for anything because I knew this was my reaction to it. But I also knew I couldn't, I couldn't continue to hang out with this person. So what do you do? And what I ended up doing was kind of what you said. I put some boundaries up. I said, look, I need to limit our contact. I need to limit it so that we're only uh, contacting each other by email and we're only talking business. We're not talking about anything personal. And that's what we've done since then. So my contact with him has become very limited. But more than that, I changed my thought process so that when I was thinking about what I'd be doing, what you know, what kinds of activities I'd be involved in, where I wanted to go with my business life, all that kind of thing, I stopped the activities of including him in my thought process and thought about including other people instead. And I thought not just about who the other people were. I also thought about happier situations where it felt better and where, where I was only dealing with situations that felt good and so forth. And the bottom line is that it all worked out really well. I mean, I still maintain some business contact with this person because we do have certain business interests. But for the most part, that's the limit of our contact. And the effect on my psyche has been fantastic. I mean, I completely healed to the point where I don't experience any of that pain anymore. And I know I'll never renew the friendship because I don't want to go back to that, but I was at least able to move away from it in a way that was peaceful and that you know didn't, I, I wasn't wanting him to feel like I was blaming him. I wanted to take ownership of what I was feeling. And in the process, it was a, a relatively calm way to end the friendship and it worked. I love that you um, recognize, this is so great, that, you know, there was value in certain areas of the relationship and we're able to keep those. Like yeah. we have a business partnership where we do these projects together and this, this part works, right? But we're also willing to, to say um, this doesn't work. You know, at the very basic level, that's what setting a boundary is. It's letting that's someone right. know. What's okay and what's not okay? Exactly. Yeah. What works for you and what doesn't work for you? Yep. And and so to be able to do that, that's fantastic. Um, I think it's a, such a great example of taking responsibility. You know, there's the energy levels uh, that are similar to the Abraham Hicks emotional scale, but the the very bottom energy level is. Level one energy, it's victim energy. Yes. And it's often the place where we feel despondent, we feel upset, we feel pain. Like you talked about psych feeling, psychic pain. It's that place where we get very, very tangled up in an energy that's very, very heavy and dragging us down. Mm -hmm. And the next level is conflict. But it's a higher level, and the reason why is it's often that place that we start feeling angry about something or frustrated or like, I just I can't take this anymore, I can't do this anymore, and it's, it's often the catalyst that moves us up into the next level, which is even higher, which is responsibility, and that's where we go, okay, what am I going to do about this? Like, this doesn't work for me, I'm going to create a boundary that says, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, I you know, I can't hang out with this person because of this behavior that they uh, create, it's not working for me. It's not healthy for me. And we put those boundaries in place. And at that point, we've stepped up into the place where we've 
taken responsibility for our own experience. And going back to the whole premise today, uh, the topic of of LOA, you know, not working when things are bad, if we take a look at where that energy level is, you know, it's not going to be in the realm of taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. But we can shift it there and say, okay, right now in my life, LOA this law of attraction stuff, it doesn't seem to be attracting me anything that I want, and this feels really bad. Okay, how am I going to respond? How do I want to respond? How do I want to change things? You know, start to ask ourselves some questions that bring us up into that place of taking responsibility and recognizing that we can take responsibility. We are not a victim. I am not at the place where I have to just say it's not working, bad things are coming my way, and that's just the way it is. I can I can move into a place where I can start to have an effect on my experience instead of just the outward experience always affecting me. Yes, exactly. In fact, I think one of the reasons I was able to make this transition from friendship to distant business relationship with this person um, was that I recognized something many years ago, and that is in almost every case, victimhood is really just another word for volunteerhood. Because, yes, there are predators out there. Yes, there are people who cause harm. Yes, there are all kinds of horrific things that happen. And yet, in almost every case, I won't say every case because, you know, you can never say never, but in almost every case, if you really dig deeper, you find that the victim found a way to put themselves in that place. They volunteered for it. And once mm-hmm. we realize that we're volunteers, then we realize we don't have to be volunteers anymore. Just because we volunteered to be victims before doesn't mean we have to continue to volunteer to be victims. We can actually choose to no longer be a victim. We can actually choose to have control over our lives. We can actually choose to have a good life. A safe life, a happy life. We can actually choose that. It's in our power. And when I understood that, then I realized I didn't have to be a victim to this person. I didn't have to be a victim anymore. I could be done with that. And I was. Right. That's that's the place of what I call radical responsibility. Yes. And it's it's saying I'm willing to take the responsibility for for my part in this. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of times we're in a place where we want to say no. I'm not responsible for this. That person's the way that's behaving this way. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not going to take the blame, you know, blah, 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 blah. We can go on and on down that road. Oh, yeah. But that's still a victim energy kind it of is. response. It is. In a very um, big it's way. not my fault. I'm not to blame. All these things are happening to me. And, you know, I'll raise my hand. I've been in the place where I felt like that. I think we can all admit that we've been in that place. But it's the time that we say, Okay, I'm willing to take responsibility for my part in this. What is my part in this? Maybe my part in this is that, like you said, I'm volunteering for this. Maybe my part in this is that I'm allowing it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. my part in this is that I'm still here accepting this kind of, you know, behavior or abuse or this experience I'm not feeling good about. Maybe I can walk away. Maybe I can draw a boundary. Maybe I can speak up and say, you know what, this does not work for me. I don't like the way this feels. I don't like this situation, and I think it needs to be different, and I'm going to change it. Um, that's a really, really powerful place. 
does it mean that it was our fault or we're to blame? No, it just no. means we're stepping up and taking responsibility. And there's so much power in that one perspective of willingness to be responsible for our own experience, our own feelings, our own actions, our own emotions, our own decisions, just being responsible. It's a it's a very empowering place to be. It's not always easy. No. Especially no. if we've been in a situation for a long time that's very familiar and it just is what it is. Sometimes it feels like it's just easier to go along with it and just suffer through it. And we know we, we can survive it another day. Um, but at some point, you know, we often get to that place where we just, like you said, it was affecting your, your other relationships. Yeah. It was affecting your sleep. It was affecting your thought process. Oh, yeah. When we get to that place where it feels just like we're tangled up in that energy and it's just all-encompassing, that's often, you know, we're at that point where we've got to, we've got to have a change. Yeah, and I love the way you're, you're juxtaposing responsibility with blame. I want to make it a more direct juxtaposition because there is a perception, particularly in a society where there is a judicial system, where accepting responsibility equals accepting blame. And I want to make it really clear in the rest of reality, maybe not in the judicial system, but in the rest of reality, responsibility and blame do not belong in the same sentence. They are not related at all. Responsibility, literally the word responsibility comes from the word response. What is response? To respond to something. That is right, what it's your ability is. to respond. It's your responsibility. Ability. Right. Yeah, that's correct. exactly what it is. It's the ability to respond. Blame Blame is all about pointing fingers and saying, you did it. It's all your fault. You're the cause of this. You are the evil person who is doing all this. That has nothing to do with responsibility, nothing to do with it at all. So I want to put, ask people, please put it out of your heads, the idea that responsibility and blame are in any, related, any way related. They are not related at all. They are two entirely different concepts. I think that from the time people are young, um, there's often that sense of who's at fault or who's to blame because it's who's going to get punished for this when something happens, right? right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like right. it's not my fault. Right away as little children you'll see, you know, it's like, wait, who started this or who's, who's, who did this? Who's right. to blame? Who's at fault? And so there's this ongoing idea um, through life. It's like, well, wasn't my fault. wasn't my fault. And that's not what you're right. That's not what we're talking about at all. We're not talking about, who's at fault or who's to blame, we're talking about being willing that no matter no matter of that, uh, that we're willing to take the responsibility. It's not about blame at all. It's a place of power to take responsibility. And we can't be responsible for someone else's behavior or someone else's actions or words or thoughts, but we can always be responsible for our own feelings and emotions and thoughts and behavior. I remember I was teaching a class with a bunch of kids in it uh, one day, and um, that we were playing a game, and I can't remember exactly what happened, but one of the kids, and they were, these kids were like second grade, and one of the kids said that one of, one of the little girls playing had done something to him, had taken his um, marker from the game or something. She she did this and, you know, he was blaming her for something. And I was trying to smooth it out between them. And I said, okay, now let's let's do this this way. 
and he and he he said something, and I said, "No, we're not going to say things like that. We're not going to talk that way." And he said, "Well, she makes me mad." <laughs> and I said, "Oh no!" I said, "She doesn't make you mad." I said, "She doesn't have any control over your being mad or being happy or being sad. You you made yourself mad." Mm. And she can't make you feel something. They're your feelings, right? And the whole room got completely silent. All these second graders were looking at me like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> they had never heard it that way before. <laughs> it was so funny. I said, no, she, she doesn't have the power to make you be mad. You, you decide to be mad on your own. And it was really funny. I, I actually think they got it, you know. Yeah. Um, I think they got it. It got very quiet. They all were looking at me like they had never thought of it that way before. Sure. But we can take that out of our language. Um, that's another kind of low level of energy that shows up in people's language all the time. And sometimes it just becomes habit. So instead of saying, and, and I, I have my clients do this um, to practice, is that instead of saying something makes us, you know, we see something on the news instead of saying, oh, that makes me angry. Just say, I feel angry when I see that. Or mm-hmm. that makes me sad. Oh, you know, when you do that, you make me sad. No, when you, when this happens, I feel sad. Yes. It's, it's yes. the same emotion. We're not discounting that. It's to own it. Right. And so what are we doing there? We're, instead of blaming, instead of me blaming you, you all, you, you make me frustrated. No, I feel frustrated when... The technology doesn't work, right? It's me. I'm feeling a certain way. It's not on you. I'm not blaming at that point. I'm taking responsibility. That's right. And at the same time, I'm feeling what I'm feeling. It's okay to feel it. I think we should also... That's a place of power. Oh, it is a place of power. I agree. I think we should also take a moment to acknowledge that there are people who are ingenuous in taking responsibility. And by that, I mean, like... Well, probably the most obvious examples are like politicians. You know, something goes wrong and the politician says, I take full responsibility. And then nothing actually changes. The rhetoric doesn't change. The actions don't change. The legislation doesn't change. The regulation doesn't change. But they said they took responsibility, so everything's okay. Well, no, it's not right. okay. That, that yeah. That's not okay. Because it's not so really it's, taking it's responsibility. It's got to be more than words. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be more than just I say it. You have to actually think it. You have to make the change. You have to make the change in your thought process. Otherwise, you're just you know, uttering a lie, really. Well, you were talking a moment ago, and I thought it was really powerful, um, about the situation that you had with this person in your life and how you know, their behavior really started wearing on you yeah. and it wasn't working for you nope. and how it was affecting your, you know, your thought life as well and how you not only drew a boundary and you not only made those changes in the physical, you know, happening, um, but that you made changes in your thought life. And when you when you caught yourself thinking a certain thing, uh, you replaced it mm-hmm. with a thought about a better thing or a different yes. person or whatever. And I think that that is so important for our. It's important for our health, actually, and it's it's part that. It's a part of the process that takes work and consistency and practice. And it reminds me of the way a meditative practice works. You know, when we sit quietly and meditate and our mind starts to wander, you know, in, in, in some teachings we hear, 
that called um, monkey mind, right? So our, our mind <laughs> goes off and starts thinking about other things. And the practice of meditation is just to bring it back. And when it wanders again and thinks about it, we bring it back. And we just keep bringing it back to focus on whatever we're focusing on in our meditation. It's the same way with law of attraction. It's a practice of directing our thought towards something that feels better. It really Whenever stuck me. it wanders off into yeah, right. those fears and worries and things that don't feel good. It really struck me when I was first trying to learn how to apply LOA just how much my mind wanders into areas that I do not want it to wander into. And I'll start focusing on what I want. This is this is more my early experience than now. But I would start focusing on stuff that I want and I I'd focus on it for like five whole seconds. And then I'd say, Okay, good. And then immediately my mind was going off to something I did not want it to be on. And it was unnerving. Like I, I could, you know, do it four or five, six times and each time it would go right back to something else I didn't want. And this time it would be something different that I didn't want. And I'm thinking, wow, am I, is my mind really that undisciplined? I mean, I literally have no control over the fact that it's just going to go off on this wild tangent that I can't control and that's going to make me feel miserable. That's the way I felt at first. It's one of those things where you just have to keep at it. You have to keep at it and keep at it, keep at it. And don't worry about the fact that it's going off in different directions. I mean, if you're, if you're meditating and your mind is going off into crazy places, well, then you just go back and focus on your breathing again. You just bring it back. You bring it back. You bring it back. And over time, you do learn how to maintain more control. You do learn how to maintain your focus better. And you do learn how to avoid allowing your your mind to go off in that direction that you know you don't want to go there. Well, you learn how not to go there. But it takes time. You have to give yourself the time to learn it. And those those spaces, you know, when you're practicing that, for instance, in meditation, Suddenly, one day, you know, after the practice, 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 you recognize, oh, wow, you're going for a longer and longer time without your mind wandering. And it's the same exact way with law of attraction. Sometimes those thoughts of things we don't want to think can be, like you said, it's they're relentless. It just They keep coming. But when we keep on, it's almost like I always think of it as that our mind finally says, okay, okay. <laughs> I give in. <laughs> like it gives up. All right, all right. Um, but that's the, you know, that's the practice part of it. When we talked about this one time, how how much easier it is sometimes for people to tell you what they don't want. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. If you say, what do you want, where do you want to go for lunch? And the person says, well, I don't want pizza. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I don't want, you know, and I don't want Chinese food. I don't want Italian. It's like, well, wait, wait, what do you want? I don't know. But it's like sometimes it's very quick for us to know what we don't want. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same exact thing that happens here. We have to take back the control of our minds, so mm-hmm. to speak, uh, and take the responsibility. And it starts there. It's a practice. Small, consistent steps are what bring success. And the nice thing is... We're not going to do it perfectly at first. We have to just keep on with the practice. Right, yeah. And and the nice thing is once you start doing it regularly and you start to regain some of that control, the relief is really powerful. You finally realize Mm -hmm. one day, oh, wow, I'm not having those thoughts as much as I did before. Oh, thank God. And you you can just feel it (laughs) drain out of you you when you experience it. So all that work that you did actually turns out to have been worth it. It turns out that you really did start to move in the direction you wanted to move into. And you now you're starting to see some of the manifestations you've been hearing about. And they're good ones. And it's like, wow, this stuff really does work. 
I, I can actually control my thoughts. Oh, who knew? <laughs> you know, one time <clears throat> about 15 or 20 years ago, um, I had uh, over the course of maybe a year or two a, a pretty serious health crisis, and I was working with a couple of doctors um, to figure out what was going on, and thankfully we did, and I completely regained my health. But in the process of it, um, I remember one day I had an appointment, and I had had a great week, and I was really encouraged that some of the things I was doing and changes I had made in my life were affecting my health for the better, and I was just getting better and better and better. And then the day before my appointment or the day of, I don't remember, but I had a really bad day, and I was so discouraged. And I remembered going in and telling my doctor, um, oh, I had a great week. And then yesterday I had the worst day ever and I was so sick. And why is this happening? Like, I'm so discouraged. And he took a piece of paper and he drew a, a dot in the lower left-hand corner. And then he drew a dot in the upper right-hand corner. And he drew a line from that lower left-hand corner up to the upper right-hand corner. And he said, see, this down here is when, when you're really, really in poor health. And this up here is when you're feeling great. And we all want the healing curve to look like this. And he just drew a line whoop, up <laughs> to the top. And then he said, but in reality, it looks like this. And he made a line that looked like a, a heartbeat line or a stock market line, you know, jagged. It was going up. Over time, it was going up, but it was really going up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. But over time, it did get there. And that did more for me, seeing that picture. And it's like that with Law of Attraction. You're going to have times where you are just rocking this thing and you are just bringing in all this stuff that you want that's so good and you're feeling so good and good things are happening. And then you're going to have that experience where you feel stuck or where it doesn't feel like it's working, where where something that you did not want to experience has suddenly happened, and it's okay. And you're the, still moving towards that thing that you want. You're still moving there. Um, that At least that's in my experience. That's what I see. I, I agree, and, and I think there's even some more good news. The more good news is if you make it a deliberate thing to work on it, to work on not focusing as much on the bad stuff, focusing more on the good stuff, directing your mind, controlling your focus, and so forth. Over time, you have a lot fewer of what Alexander had with his terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. <laughs> the famous kids book, right? Yes. You know, you have yes. a lot fewer of those. And in fact, they get, it gets to the point where you can't even remember where the last one was because it's been so long since it happened. That only happens when you actually make it a deliberate, ongoing practice to improve your ability to focus and to, to control your focus and not allow yourself to get distracted. And it takes time, but when you put the effort in, it does pay off. I, I, experienced it directly in my own life. I mean, literally 10 years ago, Cindy, I was depressed 99% of the time. Today, I'm happy 99% of the time. And that only happened from doing the work. There was no other way that was going to happen. That's fantastic. And and see, uh, in the same way, the story I just told, I can tell you that 
you know, during that time, which, gosh, I don't even know how long ago it was now. It's even longer than I thought. I think it might be 25 years. But I had a two-year period of time that I was really, really sick. Like everyone that loved me thought I was going to die. Mm. And today I'm completely healthy. And you know what? I can say it was. it feels like a miracle now, but it was just because I consistently took steps that supported my health and I consistently thought better thoughts, um, and it happened over time. Yes. And so, you know, when things aren't happening, when things don't feel like they're happening fast enough, um, hold tight and, you know, stay focused. And that's what's so cool about your story, too, because you were in a pretty bad spot. I mean, you were not doing well at all, and yet you were determined to take control of your own thoughts, to take control of, of your own experience and to yep. turn it into something that was different, that was better, that was more positive. You weren't necessarily sure how it was going to happen at first, but you were determined to do it. And it's the t- determination that won out. You just kept going. You just kept going. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to settle for this. I'm just not going to settle for it. And you didn't. And congratulations Yeah, and for that's that. the <laughs> thing is that we're all going to go through things that don't feel good. Yeah, it happens. And we have to, that's where that chart, that little drawing that the doctor made me comes into play for me. It's like, yep, no, things are better now than they were, you know, a year ago. And things are going to be better in a year than they are now because that's the track I'm on is just to look for what's better, to focus on what's better, to keep creating what's better. And it doesn't happen always in a straight line. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's a it up and down. <laughs> Two steps forward and one step back. But it's okay. It's all a learning process. And, and also, I w- wouldn't rule out the straight line. You can get to a straight line. It won't likely start that way. But if you work on it hard enough, it actually can turn into a nice, smooth curve. It actually does do that, but you have to have put in the work. If you don't put in the work, it's not going to happen. You can count on it being not just up and down, but mostly down. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it does turn into a nice smooth curve, and even then, occasionally, we have setbacks. And that's oh, the sure. thing that I think I want to make sure to mention, just to encourage people that are in the middle of a setback, um, that your setback can actually be – something that propels you forward. That same energy that's drawing you back will be the energy that propels you forward at a great speed once you let go. And so, you know, don't be disheartened when you go through things that feel hard. Um, it'll turn around. Just keep focusing on what's better. Yeah, focusing on better, that that's the trick. The more that you focus on better, the more better happens and the better you feel. I mean, a lot of this is just, you know, feeling better is is about feeling better. And the, the more that you feel about the stuff that you want rather than the stuff that you don't want, the better you feel. It doesn't matter how bad your situation is. It's it's incremental, one step at a time. Can I feel a little bit better than I did five minutes ago? If I can do that, I just made progress. You do that long enough, you climb out. I don't care what it is. You still climb out. Yep. So we have about uh, actually a little bit less than a minute left. And I want to make sure before we move, we, we, we have already – told you please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done it and tell your friends about it and we also want you to keep listening because uh there's going to be lots of information about that book upcoming including a way for listeners in a very narrow window of opportunity they're going to be able to get it free so that's going to be very cool cindy but for somebody who is still struggling in kind of a bad place that's sometimes where you need personal help how can they reach out to you as a coach for something like that cindy um you can find me online at cindychavez.com it's c-i-n-d-i-e C-H-A-V-E-Z dot com, 
or find me on Facebook or Twitter, Cindy Chavez. Uh, come, come find me. Say Very hello. Very good. All right. Well, this has been great. Let's do it again tomorrow. Let's do it tomorrow. All right. We'll <laughs> Have see a great you. afternoon. Thank you very much, and you do the same, and we'll see you all tomorrow here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.